Good morning, good morning, good morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the I'm Possible Radio Show right here with your girl, Lady J, on JQLM Radio, a division of Ego Entertainment Network. I am super excited to be on this morning, and especially with my guest today. You know, I love hearing I'm Possible stories from people who have overcome the impossible. But before we introduce our guest this morning, we have to get the formalities out of the way, of course, as we always do. So if this is your first time tuning in as a JQLM radio listener and you would like to share with your family, friends, and followers, then you can share this information with them so that they can tune in too. You can tune in to JQLM radio by downloading the JQLM radio app, or you can get JQLM radio through the TuneIn app. Just search for JQLM radio when you get there. Make sure you make it a favorite so it pops up every time you open this app, or you can get JQLM radio through the Streamer app. Or tune in straight from our Facebook page for those of you who may be a little lazy. Just click on the Use App button on our home uh, JQLM radio page and you'll be patched right in to listen live. Also, you can tune in straight from our website at www.egoentertainmentnet.com. If you would like to know any other options on how to tune in to JQLM radio, you can find them there on the JQLM radio tab on our website. Also, if you miss any of the shows live, don't fret. You can tune in to each episode on any of the major podcast platforms that include Spotify, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Deezer, CastBox, iTunes, and Google Play. Also, make sure you follow, like, and share us on social media. We do follow back. So you can catch us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at JQL on Radio. You can also follow Ego Entertainment on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at EgoIntNet. And if you would like to follow the I'm Possible Radio Show, just follow I'm Possible Radio Show on Facebook or I'm Possible Radio uh, on Instagram. And if you would like to follow me, Lady J, you can follow my public figure page, Lady J Brand at Lady J Brand on Facebook. You can follow me on Instagram at LadyJ.co. Um, y'all, I'm just going to let y'all know right now, I don't really... Um, tweet a lot, but you can still follow me on Twitter. <laughs> JAQ underscore one, J-A-Q-U underscore and the number one. All right. Now that we have that out of the way, let's introduce our guest. Our guest is none other than Drew Mann this morning. Good morning, Drew. How are you? Thanks for having me on, Lady J. I really appreciate it. I'm doing well today. Good, good. I'm glad to have you this morning. So before we get into your story, can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do for a living, where you're from, and sure. maybe some what you like to do in your spare time? Sure. Um, my name, like you said, is Drew or Andrew, and um, I live in northern New Jersey, about 15 minutes outside of um, New York City is probably Bergen County, but most people are familiar with New York City. I'm right outside of there. Um, I grew up in southern New Jersey, so I've always been kind of around this area. Um, and I have my business, besides being an author, I wrote a book, was I'm involved in the solar energy uh, industry, providing solar for homes and businesses. I, uh, it's a great way to save people money and to help save the environment. So I like everything uh, sort of about the whole solar business. Mm -hmm. um, in my spare time, I, I like to exercise. I box a little bit, not as much as I used to. Um, I love being outdoors. I love animals. 
and I love helping other people that have been through what I've been through. That is my uh, main goal in life now is to help as many people that have suffered what I suffered, uh, what I went through in my life. And so that's what I enjoy going to different rehabs or even homeless shelters and places and, and helping anyone I can uh, with my story because I've been where they've been. Awesome. Amazing. So um, let's start. I don't know what part of your story you would like to start with. Um, would you like to start with the addiction? Sure. I mean, I could start at the beginning um, okay. of sort of what led to the addiction. I could start when I was a, a child and the sort abuse. of go from there if you'd like me to. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So let's let's talk about what your childhood was. Um, what uh, trauma you suffered, um, during your, during your childhood? Sure. Sure. Um, my childhood was, was awful. It really was to put it in, uh, in, in a word. It was not, um, uh, pleasant at all. I, I dealt with, um, uh, abuse and, uh, abuse of the worst kind, uh, at home. Um, if you can imagine it, I sort of went through it as a child, and um, it left me in a really uh, messed up kind of, you know, when it when it's about to abuse, I really believe, and they're not shown love in life, they're, you know, I never had heard I loved you from my parents in my whole life. Uh, not one time did they ever come to me and say, hey, I love you. You know, it just, um, but that's not, I mean, the abuse was much worse than that. But when a child doesn't receive love, the world's not as much of a happy place. And I really believe it stunts their brain's growth. They don't produce the same amount of chemicals, especially dealing with trauma. Mm -hmm. uh, when you're dealing with sexual um, and physical and even emotional abuse, it causes your brain not to produce um uh, chemicals like dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, the chemicals that get people up in the day, you know, make you feel good, make you feel motivated throughout your day. Right. For right, me, right. I was never like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so everything was sort of 10 times as hard for me, even as a child, to really get involved in. I was always distracted. And, you know, when I was in um, kindergarten, they sort of said, yeah, he has a learning disability, but... It, it really wasn't that they weren't, you know, I was being abused at home is what was really going on. Mm -hmm. So and, let yeah, me ask I, you this real quick. Sure. Um, when, um, because I'm, I, I can uh, definitely identify and just a, discl a disclaimer for the uh, listeners. I don't know how, I never know how transparent um, my guests are going to be, but um, just so you all know, um, today we will be talking about childhood abuse and, um, uh, sexual, physical abuse, and um, drug addiction. So I like to give a disclaimer sometimes because some people, you sure. know, have issue with that. Um, people, everyone who listens to my show knows that I can be extremely <laughs> transparent and explicit. So <laughs> myself, but um, being a survivor of uh, sexual uh, abuse as a child, molestation and rape myself. Um, when it when it's when it's your own parents, can you kind of walk us through like? what um what were some of the things that you were feeling at that time did you how how young were you when you started and did you know that it was wrong um can you kind of tell us what your mindset was i did i knew it was wrong um from the beginning and i think that it 
because it was my own parent, it was that much more destructive. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, it's a whole, I mean, this person's supposed to be there to be your protector and, and lover right. and not abuse you sexually. I mean, it's just a terrible thing and a kid really doesn't understand it. Right. So you start to think it's your fault and, um, mm-hmm. You start feeling, you know, you start being interested, like, sexually at a really young age, and you're not right. understanding it, and then you're thinking something's wrong with you. Right, right. And, um, you know, I it just didn't, uh, like, I think when I was in kindergarten, I was, like, sexually attracted to my older teacher, and it was just, like, normal other kids weren't like that, they, mm-hmm. but they hadn't experienced that, and, right. um, you know, and so I it left me with a whole range. It also left me not being able to keep healthy boundaries with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I was very younger, I became very susceptible to bullying. And at one point when I was young, when I went to high school, things were a lot better. Um, but it, I, I, I have dealt with uh, horrible bullying when I was a younger kid. And uh, even from uh, my own older brother, uh, mm-hmm. who, dealt with the abuse himself, but um, sort of turned in his own sick way, sort of liked it. I don't know. It was it was hard to explain, but he um, he went the opposite way for me. Where I ran away, he was more, you know, I get into it in the book, but he was very uh, sort of like an older bully to me. And then I, I, so when I hear about these kids being bullied in school and committing suicide and stuff, I understand how they feel a lot because... Mm-hmm. I was there, and if your safe space isn't at home, and the only place you can go is school to get away from being abused, but at school you're being bullied, mm-hmm. it's really as a child you have nowhere to go. I mean, there's no escape. And, right, right. And that's when um, you know that's when depression, anxiety, which I developed at a very young age, I started having severe panic attacks, mm-hmm. um, and. They put me on an adult dose of Xanax because I, I really started to believe that I was dying of a heart attack as a little kid um, when I was like 11 years old. So the, um, when did when did this um, w- with the sexual abuse um, and the physical abuse going on at home? Uh, and it sounds like your brother developed some sort of a Stockholm syndrome. Um, right. In this, um, which some which some of us do. Um, I know. Uh, some individuals like myself start out extremely isolated when this begins to happen. And then um, it's, sometimes it's usually no in between. You're either extremely cut off and isolated and then you go to extreme promiscuity. You know, um, right. it, it just depends. Okay. But uh, in between that time, was there at any point that you tried to tell someone to help Um and if so, when did that happen or what came out of that? I I tried to run away and um, I had become, and, and it didn't work out well because I had been, I, I was a good baseball player when I was a kid and I got put on the all-star team for the town as a pitcher. And the year before, this is, you know, 10 or 11 years old, we had won some championship in South Jersey when I was pitching. So the next year the team kind of depended on me and I rode my bicycle to run away. I rode it from Haddon Heights, which is near Philadelphia 
all the way to Long Beach Island, New Jersey, which was about 65 miles. It took me almost 10 hours. And um, I was supposed to be at practice, and no one knew where I was. And when I came back, everyone was furious at me um, that I missed practice and that I had run away. And, you know, and so I ended up being grounded, and everyone was angry at me, said I let the town down, and, you know, you were supposed to be here, and you can't miss a practice. And my parents got angry that I ran away, and so I it didn't work out well is what I'm saying. It really didn't. Um, there wasn't really and, – and at one point, I swore I would never tell anybody what was going – what had happened. Mm-hmm. Um, there were many years where I was like, I'll take this stuff to my grave. It was just too awful to even – you don't want to say that about your parent, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. You really don't. It's such a an awful thing to say. And, um, you know, and so it just really – it really created a dilemma inside of me that I, as a child – you know, you're supposed to be, life's supposed to be carefree and you're enjoying and looking forward to stuff. And it was just me surviving day by day with the least amount of pain was how my childhood was. Okay. And so just to be clear, your mother and father played a role in this? Uh, My mother played the role in the sexual abuse. My father was very emotionally and physically abusive. Okay. Um, And I, my, I think my mother, um, you know, she's a very disturbed person. Mm-hmm. She's been on a ton of medicines. Um, I don't know. I would guess that her father, I think, abused her. Mm-hmm. But And that I feel bad for her. But for her not breaking that cycle is just something that I can't really forgive, you know, and I'm trying. Uh, I'm trying more for me than for her, but it's, um, you know, for many years, uh, you'll see in the book how I got into a horrible drug addiction and Mm -hmm. for many years, and she would never tell anybody what had happened and really what I needed to fix me. So it's a shame. So, um, one thing that I, I, I like to tell my listeners and try to teach because um, I had a, a parent that was complicit in abuse as well. Um, <clears throat> I have siblings who have suffered uh, abuse as well um, inside of our home. Um, and um, one thing I, I, I like to try to uh, teach people is to you. Sometimes you have to learn how to accept the apology that you'll never get. And um, it has That's nothing to do with you there. Um, I tell people all the time, we we put so much stock into our parents because they are supposed to be, you know, the nurturers and, and um, they're supposed to care for us and love us and teach us and pour into us and things of that sort. And when they don't do that, um, we kind of uh, tie our full existence and and our purpose in life and who we are to them and it's like if if it's not good enough for them then then we are you know nothing more than what they have shaped and molded and, and put into us even if it's the negative and so um it's very important for um for yourself and other people to understand first of all you know that it's not your fault and before 
they had us, they had a life as well. It doesn't justify, you know, their actions at some point in life. You get old enough for you understand right from wrong. But at the same time, they can't give us what they don't, what they didn't, what they don't possess. So if they were abused, for instance, um, and they never got help or no one ever taught them, you know, that this is wrong or this is something that they were taught, then, um, it's not something that they can give them th- that they can give their kids as far as being like nurturers and things of that sort. It affects their ability to be a good parent. And so that's something that I had to come into the understanding of before I could start the process of, for- of true forgiveness and understanding that you can't change a person and whoever they choose to be, if they choose to never change, that's on them and they're responsible for that. But it doesn't have anything to do with who you are and you know, the value within yourself. That's a really good point. That is especially, I liked what you said about that. That's true. I, I, I really don't believe that my mother had the ability, um, to be a nurturing parent in any way. And you're right. I don't think she was given that, um, in any way. So it was just, you know, so that's a, that's a very good point. And, uh, you know, I, I wish I had talked about this a lot earlier in life mm-hmm. because I, I realized not talking about it and keeping that inside was really what was keeping me set. Right, right, right. Exactly. And um, I, I do have to commend you, too, because a lot of men do not like talking about being sexually abused and or if they're, you know, in domestic violence relationships or things of that sort, just because it, we have this stigma, you know, that, well, men can't be sexually abused or men, you know, can't be abused in this way. And it's and it's really that's really not true. And so I have to commend you for um, speaking out, for being bold enough, you know, and courageous enough to do so, because there are other men who need to hear that and and know that there is somebody else that's going through what you're going through so um so let's go um let's go into um how when you came out of your childhood um so you're dealing with all of these or carrying the weight of this abuse um that you endured um throughout your childhood this secret um can you tell me what led to um the introduction of the drugs there was opiates correct 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 um it started with opiate painkillers and ended up uh i ended up you know just the painkillers from a doctor and i ended up a homeless heroin addict shooting heroin on the streets of Camden, new jersey so it, it started basically way back when um, I had those terrible panic attacks and the doctor gave me that Xanax um, at 11 mm-hmm. was sort of the first thing in my mind because it did fix the panic attack, but it only fixed it temporarily. And then when it came back, I had to take more of the drug, more of the Xanax. Um, through all of high school, I was drugged up on Xanax and mm-hmm. I didn't realize this, but the doctors never looked for an approach like to fix what was going on. They just said, here's a drug, take it. And you just keep taking it when this happens. And for me, when my body built up a tolerance, I, I would take more and more and more and more. So I became addicted to that. By the time I was 13, I think I was taking 10 milligrams of Xanax a day, which may not sound like a lot, but it really is a lot. And, uh, you know, I stayed on that until 
I developed, I mean, I continued on that, but I started drinking alcohol. And when I, could, I found that, it was like, wow, this works too. So I started adding alcohol to it and drinking more and more, but it never got to the point where it took everything away. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until I found opiates. Like I tried everything. I tried everything. I go cocaine, uh, all this stuff. And I tried all the LSD and everything like that. It wasn't until I found opiates which opiates for people that don't know um, are like Oxycontin. That was the first one that I found. And when I took that pill, all the abuse, all the depression, all the anxiety, all the suffering basically I'd felt my whole life went away. And it was like, oh my God, I feel like everyone else did. I was motivated to get up. I didn't have to go out and drink my, like at this point before I developed that, I was drinking every night and not just, drinking a little bit. I was drinking to get myself drunk mm-hmm. because I just wanted to pass out. Um, by the time I started on opiates, I had taken myself to the emergency room. I think it was almost 40 times believing I was having a heart attack. My insurance mm-hmm. company dropped me because of that. Mm-hmm. But I really believed it because my panic was so bad. And um, when I found those opiates, it was at first seemed like God gave me the answer to all my problems. Um, and I really believe in my brain there was such an imbalance that the opiates did. It, it normalized that. Where a normal person, that it, they take an opiate, they'll feel super groggy and they'll either throw up or, you know, it'll help with their pain. But they'll, you know, I'm not taking that again when I'm not in pain. But for me, when I took that, it was just like this key turned on and it was like this magic light popped up and I felt great. And once I felt that feeling, I didn't ever want to go through life not feeling like I felt under that opiate. And so I started buying more and more and became addicted. And and I ended up, you know, running through all this money because they're very expensive and eventually had to turn to heroin because it's cheaper. And it's the same thing. It gets a worse name. You know, people hear heroin and they're like, oh, my God. But. Mm -hmm. It's the exact same thing as what's in Oxycontin. It's just uh, comes from the street um, and it's cheaper and it can be a lot stronger. And that's when I ended up on heroin. Okay. <clears throat> and um, what were some of the challenges that you faced um, while being addicted to drugs? Did you, while, I, while you were. A lot. Why you were dealing with the criminal justice system, mm-hmm. which um, I saw, I got to see how messed up the criminal justice system is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not rigged to helping people; it's rigged to the rich. If you have money, you're good. If you're not, you're going to end up in a cage and deal with all these problems. And the main problem out there is really this war on drugs it's it's not helping anybody it's just let's arrest them and throw them in jail and then they get out of jail and it's in the exact same situation um Mm -hmm. and so i started because you know i would be stopped and canned in with drugs on me i would start getting tickets and i started to steal um and i go through it in the book and you know eventually one thing leads to another and you know i ended up in jail and it was not a good place to be. Um, and I just would see all these people who were suffering from addiction and really needed help. 
um, but weren't getting it and were just being thrown in jail. And then they would get out and do the same thing. It wasn't helping anyone, mm-hmm. you know. So that was sort of the first um, difficulty that I, I, I experienced. And then I saw, I got to see the rehabs because I went to a bunch of rehabs and I got to see the ones that worked and the ones that didn't work and, you know, how low the success percentage is. It's around like 3% um, success in rehabs. And I, and I really found out why that is because they were just removing the drugs. They were not trying to find out what was behind it. And when I just went to a rehab and I just removed the drugs, they just got out of my system and great, now you can go home. But I was still that same person who searched the drugs out in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and what really I needed to work on was what was behind causing me to go use the drugs. And the rehabs either don't have the time, the insurance companies didn't want to pay for it, or, you know, it just, the money wasn't there. And they, they were great at getting you off the drugs, which is important. But if you leave a rehab and you haven't worked on the problem that got you in there in the first place, right, right, inside of you, which caused you to use this, um, I, you're not going to get the chances of you staying sober in the long run are almost impossible. Right, right. And I saw all these people in rehab. The whether some of them wouldn't admit it when they first got in, but the more you talk to them, so many people had suffered abusive childhoods. And mm-hmm. they didn't, I couldn't understand how people wouldn't see how they needed to talk about that and get it out and get healing for that. Right. Because without that, you're still sick, you know? Right. So here's, and, I don't, I don't want to yeah. cut you off. This is getting, this is getting good. So hold your thought. We're going to take our first break. Sure. Um, so everyone uh, stick and stay. We're talking to Drew Mann, who is sharing his story, his impossible story of overcoming the impossible. Um, about drug addiction and how child abuse played a role in leading to that. So Stick and Stay will be right back after this. Which one to blame is just people, people. 
was the reason I smiled in the morning. He took the last bit of joy I was storing. That's too much power for anything humanly left. Monday night from 7.15 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on JQLM Radio on the Business Banger Spotlight Show with your host, Lady J. Tune in to hear from men and women all over the world banging in business. See what products and services appeal to you while receiving exclusive offers and discounts. And get your business banger tips for all of you entrepreneurs out there. Tune in by downloading the JQLM Radio app on your Android or Apple devices. Or get JQL on radio through the TuneIn Radio app or the Stream a Simple Radio app. You can also listen live from our website at www.egoentertainmentnet.com or straight from our Facebook page. Just click on the Use App button. If you miss an episode, download and subscribe on any of your major podcast platforms like iHeartRadio, Spotify, Deezer, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, and more. Business bangers, stay ready. Are there areas in your life that need healing? Consider Empower Living Inc. We are a therapeutic practice that meets the clients where they are. Call us at 317-969-5694 or visit us at www.empoweredlivinginc.net to see a list of the services we offer. Empowered Living Inc., a holistic approach to a better you. This is Kiki Wyatt, and you're tuned in to JQLM Radio. Okay.
everyone, and we are back. We have been talking to Drew Mann this morning, um, an amazing guest, sharing his story of uh, childhood sexual and physical abuse, overcoming that, and how it led to drug addiction. Um, and um, we're going to get into some more of his story. Uh, but before the break, he was talking about how going into rehab uh, without going through the process of healing from the things that led to drug addiction in the first place um, really doesn't help people. And so I would like to start there, Drew. I I absolutely agree with you. Um, Unfortunately, being a psychology major myself, having a degree in psychology and and have talked to so many youth with, you know, through my um, program life support. I mean, the amount of people, adults and children right now that are experiencing sexual abuse physical abuse um mental abuse or whatever is staggering okay um and the fact that people um these rehab centers they're set up for therapy yes but um with what i do or what we need more of is people that can help you know get to the root of the problem because when you get to the root of the problem, then all of the other symptoms, all of the symptoms go away. Um, yeah. You know, with um, I just suffered a brain aneurysm, for instance. So you can't really put a Band-Aid over something like that. Like you have to go right. in and do surgery, fix the problem, and then the symptoms uh, will get easier. You know, they, they will take some time to subside, but you have to go through the surgery. And so that's the part that a lot of us are scared of. And unfortunately, the health care system is set up to be a revolving door. Otherwise, right. you wouldn't have <laughs> the income coming right. in and people getting paid, you right. know? Exactly. So that's, that's, um, that's really the truth. And, they don't want to cure it. They want you to be dependent on it right the end result is always to cope with them my end result is to actually get you to fully overcome so there's a difference in the two you know so um so more people like yourself sharing their sharing sharing your story and sharing tips on what you did to overcome that and get through it is helpful to other people like that so even though you you know you say when you were young you didn't understand what was happening and i said the same thing but Think about it. It was necessary because, and it wasn't, everything we go through isn't for ourselves. If we never went through it, how would they have someone that could identify with what they're going through? Somebody has to do it. So. Right. That's true. That's true. No, absolutely. I um, agree. And I, um, my whole goal is to open my own rehab center um, that uses, that does exactly that, actually gets to the root and helps people that way. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to take everything that I've learned that actually works and help people. I'd love to have my own program and, you know, I would love it to be like where I could take anybody at any time, regardless of their ability to pay. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Because I know a lot of people that need it, that mm-hmm. just don't have the money. Right. And the places that accept people with like Medicaid and stuff, the waiting lists are for forever. Mm-hmm. Sometimes these people don't have time. Right. You know, I've been to so many funerals. It's it's crazy. It's really like being in a war. Right. Yes. And yes. I've seen a lot of good people die. You know, it's a shame. So in, in this um, journey, you know, going through rehab, uh, you know, for drug addiction and things that sort, when you found out that there were so many people like you who weren't getting the help that they actually needed, 
what did you turn to and what what helped you um get to where you are now um as far as being able to kick the drug addiction sure sure i'll i'll, I'll let you know exactly what happened well i had gone through a bunch of rehabs i i ended up going to this um place down south that was uh, i thought was going to be a good place but it, it was terrible it was like um a work camp where all they did was have you come down there and build pallets every day for the owner to sell. I mean, it was just crazy. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it was really bad. It was down in Kentucky and I talk about the place, in my book. And so at that point I had sort of given up hope and I ended up in Camden. I became a, a, a homeless person. I dealt with, you know, some, some really tough stuff. I almost froze to death. Um, it got so bad, I it would even go into the hospital to try to get warmth, and they would kick us out of the waiting room. They didn't want, to want us in there. And, um, yeah, I got pneumonia and uh, almost froze to death being homeless. Oh, my. Um, that, yeah, that was one of the things about being homeless that was just awful was the cold. It was, um, it was especially the snow, the wind. It was just awful. Um, and so that I have a soft spot for the homeless. And that's another group I'd love to help, mm -hmm. um, you know, so, but I, so I was on the streets of Camden, New Jersey, and these people who I consider to be sort of like angels to me, there was this one woman who started coming by that she would see me and she would bring me money and food. And, you know, here I am, this homeless guy in Camden, New Jersey, that she knows is a drug addict. She worked at one of the local hospitals mm -hmm. and this woman just didn't care. She would stop by and she wanted to talk to me. And one day, and this woman had known nothing about my story and I still don't know how this happened, but she came by one day and she said, listen, I wanted you to know I had been uh, suffered uh, sexual abuse from my father as a child. It was horrible. I became an alcoholic. She said I had to get help and forgive him not for him, but for me. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I don't know your story, but I know you need to forgive some people and get help. And it was just unbelievable that this lady said that. Um, it's still like I get chills when I think about it because she didn't know my story. Mm -hmm. And then uh, two other uh, men, uh, one of which, um, you know, I bring him up in my book. Do you know the talk show host Kelly Ripa? Mm-hmm. Her yes. father was one of the people that actually helped me get off the street. Oh, that's he amazing. Come, yeah, he comes down and feeds the homeless in Camden. And him and this other man um, helped me. First, they got me into a methadone clinic so I could, because all I was concerned about was getting, it, when you go, when you're on opiates, if you don't get them, you go through this horrible withdrawal. And that's all you care about is getting, it's not about getting high, it's about getting well. Um, and so they got me into that and then they ended up helping me get into a rehab in Northern New Jersey. And, um, you know, which was, a it, it, that was a blessing getting off the street. And then there was one more woman that, um, really was the first person that I really has given me unconditional love, um, in my life and refused to give up on me when everyone else did. And um, she just wouldn't give up on me. And when I enter entered this long-term treatment center, she 
she kind of encouraged me to talk about whatever was going on inside of me. She was like, just be honest and admit it all, mm. you know, and, and I did. And I finally talked about, this was the first time I had ever gotten this out. And I finally talked about it. And I said, what was going on inside of me? And um, a woman that was there, her name was Lauren, um, that ran sort of the treatment center, had me write down some of my story. And when I wrote it down, she said, wow, you should really write a book. This stuff could help people. And um, so when I, I, I completed that treatment center and when I got out, um, like I said, you know, the, I, had, I had started to work on the problem inside of me. Um, and when I got out, I continued therapy for it and started focusing on, um, staying clean and, and, and living a normal life. And it's been that way ever since. And so the key for me really was, it was kind of threefold. It was finding that unconditional love, finding someone that was supportive of me in a healthy way, not just throwing money so I could go buy drugs, but was supportive of me in a healthy way. And it was getting help for the stuff inside of me, um, that pain so deep inside that I was able to actually want to overcome this and really stick with it. And it's, uh, I'm going on four years now that I've, uh, you know, been sober for four years, which is amazing. amazing I couldn't get yes. four minutes sober. Yes, so. yes. Amazing. Um, that is awesome. Awesome. Um, and I don't, I don't know if, um, if any, anybody is, uh, like, uh, well, I know a lot of people on here that listen are like believers in God and things of that sort, but sometimes he sends people along our way who, whom we don't know and, um, can speak to what it is that we're going through. Um, and that's kind of, uh, they call it, uh, uh, p- knowledge people speaking with knowledge of things that they that they wouldn't know you know so um well, i think that that absolutely. is that that is awesome and amazing how one encounter with him can completely change your entire life or put you on the path to you know okay now that the suffering is over now it's time for you to to heal and during your healing, I'm going to give you some tools so that you can pass them along to the person, to the people that will cross your journey, you know, um, as you continue to go through life. So I think that is um, amazing. And it, I know how difficult it is um, to be addicted to. I, I was addicted to paint, to uh, uh, Vicodin, hydrocodone. So right. um, sure. I know how difficult it is because you start taking it for one thing, but then it starts to pacify the emotional that you, the emotional pain that you feel. Exactly. So, um, exactly. and you just want it to go away. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yep. I, I, I understand how difficult that is, and uh, and people don't understand uh, that it is a, a part of a disease. You know, you have this cancer that is inside of that is inside of yep. you that was planted there by somebody else, and it just continues to grow and grow and grow and grow until it completely consumes you. So, yep. Um, and it leads to other oh, yeah. things. So, uh, man, that is awesome. Four years. 
So uh, real quick, we're going to take our last break. When we come back, we're going to talk about what Drew does now. And we're going to talk about his book and how you can purchase. So everyone stick and stay. We'll be right back. You are tuned in to the I'm Possible Radio Show right here on JQLM Radio, a division of Ego Entertainment Network. This that new Kiki exclusive, y'all. Are you or someone you know struggling with relationships? 
overcoming abuse, addiction, or suicidal thoughts, or even life challenges in general, then the Life Support Book Series and Life Support Company is for you. You can purchase the Life Support Book Series on Amazon, Kindle, or www.ladyj.co. To find out more about how the Life Support Company can help you or your youth groups, contact Jacqui Morrow at 317-886-0296 or visit the website at www.ladyj.co. And remember, I'm possible, you're possible. We're all possible. Hey, everybody, it's your girl, Lady J, owner of Ego Entertainment Network and host of the Unpossible Radio Show. Have you ever thought about having your own radio or podcast show? Maybe be featured in a magazine or air commercials on television or maybe even have your own TV show. Well, look no further. Ego Entertainment Network is here for all of your media production needs. Contact us today at 317-886-0296 or visit our website at www.egoentertainmentnet.com. You would be surprised at how affordable it is. Oh, don't forget, tune in to JQLM Radio every day. Download the JQLM Radio app for all of you Android users or Apple users and Android users. You can use the TuneIn app or Listen straight from our website or the JQLM Radio Facebook page. Ego Entertainment Network, empowered greatness optimized. Hey, it's your boy Brian White, and you are tuned in to JQLM Radio. And we are back. All right. So we've been talking to Drew, a man who has an amazing story of overcoming and something that we normally do not hear men talk about. So again, he gets uh, double kudos this morning for sharing his uh, story, his his impossible story of overcoming the impossible. Um, Drew, can you tell us a little bit about your book and where people can purchase Sure. Um, my book, the title of it is called Such Unfortunates. Um, the title comes from, I, I would go to AA and NA meetings, and especially at AA, in the beginning of these meetings, they would read this paragraph about these people known as such unfortunates. And they were these people who could never get sober. It was just impossible for them. Um, and when I would hear that, I always thought that was me. Um, and that I would never get it. I, I, when you read my story, I was one of the worst. Um, you know, I, I was just down and out. Had the worst addiction you could imagine. And if, and I, I wrote that because if I was able to do it, I really believe anybody out there could do it. So I just wanted people to understand why that's the title of my book. Um, it's available on Amazon. Is the best place to get it. Um, if you go or you type Andrew Mann or such unfortunates, the book will come up and uh, it's available in uh, ebook, um, which you don't need a Kindle to do it. You can get it on Kindle or if you just have a computer, you can read it right there or you can get it in paperback or it's um, available where you can actually listen to it when they, uh, you can listen to it by voice. So 
It's called Audible. So there's three ways you can get the book. And uh, you can always write to me on Facebook at um, it's Facebook at Amazing New Book. Uh, I also have an author page where you can get in touch with me. But if you contact me on Facebook, I will always uh, respond back to everyone. And, um, you know, if you need help, I'll give you my experience as best as I can. And I always try to get back to anyone who has questions and I'll try to help anyone out. I can. Uh, I'll do anything I can, especially those suffering with addiction or have family members that are suffering with addiction. I'll do anything I can to help anybody out. Awesome. Uh, thank you again so much for sharing your story um, this morning sure. with our listeners. Um, and you guys make sure that you go check that book out. Guys, I know that there are men who tune in to our station. I know that there are men who listen to my show. So those of you who are listening right now, if this is something that you have struggled with, whether it be drug addiction or childhood abuse, um, you know, a, a sexual abuse or physical abuse, um, please, please reach out, please talk about it. Um, so that one for yourself, um, you want to go through life living and not coexisting with just accepting, you know, the, the pain that you're in. You don't want to just coexist and, and just cope. You want to experience life to the fullest. So um, you want to be, you want to make sure that you are operating uh, constantly um, at the highest level that you possibly can, potentially as a father, as a man, as a mate, you know, as a husband. So do not allow um, your past to rob you of uh, a great future. Um, great point. Uh, Drew, is there anything that you would like to leave our listeners with? Um, you know, like I was saying before, exactly what you just said is a, a great point. Um and I would just uh, like them to know that, you know, I know there's a lot of people out there. If you're struggling with drug addiction, especially, it feels like you're fighting an unwinnable battle, but you really are not. There's another side and there is a great life outside of drugs. Um, I remember when I was under the influence, I thought it, I would never be happy without these drugs and that is not the truth and if you read my book you'll see if i could beat this there isn't anyone out here who could overcome it i have been to all the ends i've overdosed and died where they've had to bring me back um and so i just uh you know i've been to jails i've been to institutions there is there's no way to beat it um and there's another side and and anyone can be anyone can be on that side so I just wish everyone the best of luck. And if you have a family member that's suffering, read my book and you'll see that you can, you can help them in what ways, which worked for me, what people did for me. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right, everyone, we have come down to the last two minutes of the show. So before I close out the show, as I always say, after all of the hell you went through, the word through is an indication that you defeated the impossible too. New adversities will come, but overcoming them has already made you unstoppable. The favor over your life incomparable, which gives you the right to think and believe I'm possible. 
You all have an amazing day. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to tune in to JQLM Radio every morning, Monday through Friday, um, from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. for the Gospel Express show. Get your morning started right. And then uh, tune in Monday through Friday for the Cheryl Underwood show from 105 to 325 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're here on JQLM Radio. Um, If you would like to know who all is uh, on air, all of the producers, all of the shows, just visit our website at www.egoentertainment.com. This is your girl, Lady J, and I'm out. Love y'all. Deuces.